Welcome everybody. God bless you. Blessings to all of you in the name that is above all names. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in live, uh, obviously to this live stream. Um, it is an honor for, for me. It is an honor for this church to come before you this morning and to just simply deliver what the, what the Lord has given us in his word. Amen. I trust that you are taking care of yourselves. These are uh, obviously difficult times uh, dealing with this COVID-19 and being uh, kind of hemmed in and restricted to our own homes. This is a difficult season. And so in that regards, I hope and I pray that you can garner some wisdom, some encouragement, and some inspiration from this particular passage here today. I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 14, because I believe God is going to speak to us. This is the particular passage in the Bible, in the Gospels, where Jesus actually walked on water. This is a passage where Peter also walked on water. Uh, and I believe it's going to serve as an encouragement to you and I this morning. So I want you to stop what you're doing. No bathroom trips. Forget about the roast in your oven. Forget about all those things that you were doing before this particular moment right now. And I want you to concentrate on the Word of God. Because we're going to go before the Lord in prayer right now. Uh, listen, this is, this is the time when we're going to receive from the Lord. Amen, somebody. We got to receive something special from the Lord here this morning. Matthew chapter 14. I want you to look it up. I'm going to give you a few more moments. Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to begin our sermon this morning with verse 22. And I'm going to read to verse 33. Matthew 14. Verses 22 through 33. I'm going to give you just a few more moments. I don't have the crowd here in front of me, so I got nothing but time. You're not going to rush me here today. I got a lot of material here for you this morning, and I'm going to take my time. I want to, I want to be obedient to God. These are difficult times. These are difficult times. Once again, Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Amen. And the Bible reads, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and to go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out, on the, got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you this morning just simply for the fact that you are with us, that you have never forsaken us, that you are by our side even during these difficult times as we navigate our lives through this COVID-19 situation that has seemed to paralyze the entire world. Father, I'm so thankful that you are with us. I'm so thankful that in spite of what is happening in our lives and around this world today, you are still on your throne. You are still Lord. You are still God. And you are powerful enough to handle all of these circumstances that we're dealing with here today. Father, I pray for an encouraging word here today. I pray that you speak to me first and foremost. Indeed, you have all week long as I've been 
preparing this particular message, but I pray for your anointing here today, Lord God, because I think this would all be to none effect if your anointing is not with us here today. So I pray, Lord God, that as this message goes forth through this particular um, channel, <clears throat> this platform, that you may speak to your people here today. Lord God, there's a lot of discouragement, even in the body of Christ here today. And we need to hear something new from you today. We need to hear something fresh. And so, Lord God, if you want me to put aside these notes, then so be it. But we need to hear from you today, Lord God. Somebody needs hope. Somebody is really going through a difficult time right now. Somebody here listening to me has lost their job, Lord. And you know it. Somebody's about to lose their home. Father, I think about Tony and Maria and Huntington Park, California, the couple that I visited last week. And Lord, you know that I've been on the phone with them every single day. They're wrestling with this thing because they're about to be evicted since he lost his job. Or rather, he's been on leave because of this COVID-19 situation. Father, speak to us today. Encourage our hearts today during this difficult time. We thank you for it. And we praise you in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, Amen, amen. For the time being, I want you to keep your pens and your pencils down. You don't need to be writing any notes at the moment. Uh, I'll cue you in when you can start writing some, some things. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I want to animate the story just a little bit uh, so that we can somehow make the connection between the experience the disciples were having with what you and I are experiencing today. Uh, let's try to make it a little bit relevant to our current situation here today. Uh, this passage is in interesting on, on more levels than, than you and I can care to imagine. Uh, uh, but there's one thing that we need to take note of concerning this passage right here, right off the bat. One of the major truths we know about this particular passage is that Jesus was looking to bring about his disciples' development. You got to think about that as we begin to make some application here. And it's the reason why I've titled this message, if you can write this down if you want, Enhancing Our Faith. Enhancing Our Faith. That's the title of this message, and it's related to the topic of perspective. But not just any ordinary perspective. A, we're talking about a supernatural level of perspective, as in eternal perspective. The disciples, their eternal perspective was being nurtured by Jesus Christ. Um, and I think it's safe to say that as we journey through life, those of you who are part of my congregation here, you know that we've been going through Romans chapter 8. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this longing, this burden, this groaning on the inside of us. We, we are longing for our eternal home. Well, one day we're going to get there. Until then, we're supposed to nurture an eternal perspective as we walk this sea of life. Amen. So as believers, we must understand this to be an integral or a fundamental part of who we are as believers. Listen to this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Many of you are extremely acquainted with it. It says, so we are his workmanship. Dot, dot, dot. Just stop right there. I don't want you to think about the rest of the verse. Just think about that clause right there. Ephesians 2.10a. It says, so we are his workmanship. It, it means that he is operating in our lives. And on that note, let, let's go back to the passage as I begin to try to uh, 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 just break it down just a little bit. But I want to continue animating the story because I want us to be able to relate with what was taking place. I want you to consider our disciples in training. And I want you to imagine what's taking place in this particular passage. And the first thing I want to point out is that we need to, we need to somehow get a handle on where the disciples were with their faith at this particular time. Uh, because it's only then that we can determine why they responded to Jesus in the way that they did in this particular text. And I think that in order to do that, we need to evaluate their conversational language. Amen. You'd be surprised what we could learn about a person by just simply listening to them speak. How many of you know 
that our words always reveal the condition of our hearts, which in turn reveals the condition of our faith. Matthew 12, 34, put this down really quickly if you want. It says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is a principle that we find laid out across the pages of the word of God. And now I want you to listen to them. I want you to listen. Here's the point. I want you to listen to the disciples. I want you to go back to Matthew 14 and I want you to look at verse 15. I'm going to give you a moment. Matthew 14 Look at look at verse 15, because I want you to listen with me to the expression given to us by the disciples, because it's going to give us an understanding of where they were with their hearts and ultimately with their faith. Matthew 14, verse 15 reads, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. In the ESV, most of you, um, at least those of you who are part of my fellowship here, uh, probably have an ESV version of the Bible. And the word, the word there is desolate. But if you have a King James Version, the word there is desert. And both of these words imply empty, dry, or barren place. Was it a reference to their natural surroundings? You would think so, right? But this passage reveals two key, two key things about this particular area that they found themselves in. Number one, there were lots of people there. We know that in this particular passage, Jesus Christ fed a multitude of people. In fact, the passage says that he fed 5,000 men. And then it goes on to say, besides women and children. So listen. It doesn't take rocket science, rocket science to realize that if you got 5,000 men in any one given setting, then you probably got 10,000, 15,000 women and at least 30,000 children. Now, now I'm just, uh, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but you get the point. The point is there was a lot of people there. So was it deserted in that sense? Was it a desolate place in that sense? I don't think so. And secondly, there was enough grass there in that particular place for that, for all those people to sit down on. So was it desolate in that sense? No, I, I don't, I don't think so. Look at verse 19 says, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. There was grass in that particular area. So in what sense was it a desolate place? I think their expression was related to the character. And this is one of the things that we're going to talk about. I mentioned it already, eternal perspective. And this passage deals with this theme. And I want you to think about this because there's something mysterious or something peculiar that occurs in our lives when we find ourselves struggling with different situations and circumstances. These things invade our lives and, and we somehow lose focus. We lose our eternal perspective. And God forbid, but the reality is in some instances, we lose our identity in Christ. Or at least our perspective regarding our identity in Christ. So, what we do know for sure concerning this passage is that they did not have the faith or the adequate faith to see what Jesus was capable of doing in the midst of that situation, even after seeing many miracles. That is, even after they saw and experienced the things that Jesus was saying and the miracles that he performed, somehow when they found themselves in this place, it appeared to be a desolate place to them. So they did what we do when we find ourselves in difficult situations. I want you to listen to them. Imagine them making these declarations. This place is dead. You've probably used that phrase from time to time. This place is empty. This place is barren. Why am I even in, why am I even on this job? You may have asked yourself that from time to time. Why am I even in this relationship? Why am I even a part of this church? Why am I even living in this particular town? Why am I even in this home? Look to verse 15. 
And I want you to think about this one. Because we, the disciples may have been making this declaration to Jesus Christ. They may have said, Jesus, you think maybe you can send these people home? We're hungry and in and out is about to close. That's an inside joke. Those of you in Philadelphia listening in, you probably don't know what In-N-Out is. It's a very popular Christian restaurant. It's a fast food restaurant out here. And, and listen, the point is that the, the, the disciples made up their mind. Jesus, let's transition from this place. It's time to move on. And, and, and again, and again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but we need to know where their hearts were, where their mind was their perspective. They wanted to transition. And yet Jesus Christ was about to perform a miracle. It's amazing how the natural mindset that we possess, it always produces this sort of thinking when we find ourselves in difficult times. What happens is that we lose sight of our eternal perspective. So what does Jesus do? Well, he does what he always does. He seizes this as an opportunity to teach them. He seizes this as an opportunity to convey eternal truths to them. Something that will stir up faith within them. Something that will serve to enhance their identity in him. And he did this all the while maintaining his focus on the crowd that was before them. So he fed the multitude. But he was also conscientious of the need to teach his children. And teaching is great, isn't it? It's amazing when we when we sit down and we take the time to read the Word of God or we come to church, a setting just like this one. Um, and by the way, we, we're operating under a skeleton crew. It's just Tim and I here. Tim will give you a shout out in a few moments uh, if he hasn't already done so. So it, it, it's it's amazing when we when we allow ourselves to be taught by Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we hear new things and we gather lots of information and these things are cool, right? And for the disciples, when we think about them, they weren't only listening to special things from Jesus Christ. They were also witnessing the miracles that he was performing. And so on that note, you would think that it would have an automatic um, effect upon their lives. That, that when we hear things and when we see things in Christendom, that all of a sudden this growth and this development will manifest itself automatically, right? You, you would think that would be the case. But that's not the case. Truth be told, Bible knowledge or witnessing miracles never equates to spirituality. And when I say spirituality, I'm talking about this this experience that you and I have as believers. I'm talking about holiness. I'm talking about this relationship, a nurturing of the relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You would think that reading and studying and all this thing amounts to automatic growth and development, but that's never been the case. Because intimacy is required. Spirituality is a byproduct of both intimacy with God and the forging by way of fire. We're going to hear some of that here in this passage. Bible knowledge without intimacy has always resulted in religion. That's it. And so we need to take things a little, a little deeper. We need to go a little further if we want to experience God in our lives. Much like you and I during the times in which we find ourselves. There has never been a time when we've needed intimacy with God more than this present time in our lives. And so let's move on. Jesus feeds a lot of people and then he dispatches his disciples onto a boat. He, he kind of says to them, listen, you, you go ahead. I'll catch up with you a little bit later. That's essentially what he says. And no doubt we know that from this particular passage, Jesus re retreats to his prayer closet. Well, Jesus re retreats to his prayer room. There was a lot he had to be praying about, right? He was praying for you and I. Amen. As well. As well. But he, in that particular context, he was praying for the enhancement of the faith of his disciples. He was praying for the victory. And he was praying for the salvation of everybody that was present there. But he knew they had to make a choice. Now I want you to listen to this because this is a very important point. Uh, just put this down on your notes. First John, first John chapter two, verse one. And the point here is about this, this idea that Jesus is 
interceding for us because he finds himself in his prayer room, in his war room, and he's praying for us. First John chapter 2 verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. There's, there's that operative word there. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So let's, let's move on. Uh, next in this particular passage, I want you to see something. Go back to Matthew chapter 14. Because the Bible reveals that they struggle, the disciples, they find themselves out on the boat. And the Bible reveals that they struggled all night long with a powerful windstorm. Make note of verse 23, or the latter part, the second half of verse, 20, verse 23. It says that it was evening, right there. Now look at verse 25, Matthew 14, verse 25, just the first portion of that verse. It says, quote, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Now this is significant, because in my mind, he mean, it means that his disciples were on that boat all night long. It says in the fourth watch. The first watch was 6 p.m. The second watch was 9 p.m. The third watch was midnight. And the fourth watch was 3 o'clock in the morning. So this means that they toiled all night long. Listen, those boats back then didn't have motors. So, so it has to mean that they were, they, they were exhausted, right? They were out there all night long. And I can imagine what they were experiencing. They were probably making declarations like this. We are going to die. It's all over. How many of you re remember Sanford? And, not, not, not Sanford. Not Fred Sanford. Fred Sanford. Um, Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. Listen, they were, they were freaking out. They thought this, this, was, this was it. I know some of you are laughing to that. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how we are capable of losing sight of our biblical perspective when things are not going well in our lives. Isn't that amazing? I want you to think about this, really. I want you to think about it. We even resort to superstition when these things happen in our lives. Because in this particular text, it got to the point, and we're going to get to it in a few moments, I promise you, but the disciples were out there. They were toiling all night long. They were exhausted. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they start seeing a, a, a ghost. They resort even to superstition. Look at verse 27. Verse 27, Jesus calls out to them and he says, take, take heart. It is I, be not afraid. Take heart, it is I, be not afraid. And I think, listen, I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to say to you, those of you that are watching, Jesus is making the same declaration to you right here and right now. You may be locked up in your house. You may feel as if you are incarcerated. But Jesus is making a declaration to you and I here this morning as well. We need to take heart. We need not to be afraid. We cannot be, be surprised by the things that are happening on the world stage as if we had not been given advance notice. Now, Jesus Christ eventually stepped onto the boat and the wind stopped. We know that according to that, the text. Now, here's where I get, get into some of the points and you can pick up your pen or pencil if you haven't done so already because I want you to make note of some of these things that I'm going to share with you this morning. I got four things that I want to share with you. They may seem a little elementary to some of you, but they are relevant to these times and they are very, very key points that you and I as children of God, we, we always have to be mindful of these things. Number one, we are in the boat too. Or we too are in the boat. We too are in the boat. This is extremely significant. Because it, it has to do with our identity, our, our position in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the vessel, and the gospel is the compass that he's given us to navigate the storms of life. Amen, somebody. And the idea is that we, too, have to commute to the other side. Now, now think of this. His disciples were literally in a boat, and Jesus Christ had commanded them to navigate to the other side, that he was going to meet them on the other side. And, but he didn't give them the, the heads up that they were going to be going through some difficult 
situation or a difficult situation in navigating across those waters. But they did. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus. You too, we too rather, find ourselves in a boat. We have to navigate this thing called life. And, and so what does the Bible speak to us? Now I want you to consider this. Noah, I want you to make note that this is a biblical theme. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, Noah had to cross over to the other side. We know that he got into a boat, right? Moses crossed over to the other side as well, in a sense, right? Joshua, Elijah, and Elisha crossed over the River Jordan to the other side into the promised land as well. And, and let's not forget that, that you and I, we've crossed over too. Right? We are in the boat of all boats. And we have a salvation carved out for us in, in heaven. But the important thing that we must remember about this point is that we have an identity with Christ that matters. We have an identity with Jesus Christ that matters more than anything else. Allow the storms of life to beat upon your life. It's okay. It's going to happen from time to time. But you cannot afford to lose sight of the fact that you are a child of God. You cannot afford to lose sight of the fact that you are in this boat. You are in the kingdom of God. You are a part of the kingdom of God. And that Jesus Christ has made assurances to you and I. He, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Be strong. Be of good courage. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed. Be not alarmed. These are key points here from this particular passage. The idea is that we are in the boat and that he is always with us and that he will lead us to the other side. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Number two, the trip wasn't promised to be smooth, just certain. So when Jesus Christ uh, gives the instructions to his disciples to enter into a boat and to navigate to the other side, Jesus wanted them to understand that they were indeed going to make it to the other side. He just didn't tell them they were going to go through something along the way. And so Jesus speaks to us in that regard as well. He never, he's never given us a backstage pass so that we can see behind the scenes of what it is he's doing in our lives. He never promised that we, he, he, or he never conveyed to us that we were going to leave, lose our job. That we were going to wrestle to put some food on the table in 2020. Uh, if he's speaking to you in that way, then, then you let me know so that I can tap into that as well, right? But the, the fact is that he doesn't convey these things to us in advance. He just wants us to trust him. The journey will be difficult, but the end result is certain. Amen, somebody. It is certain, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. To those who are called according to his purpose. Now I want you to look to verse 22. In verse 22, his disciples were given instructions to go before Jesus to the other side, which was, listen, it was typical, it was common. It happened all the time in chapter 8 of book of Matthew in chapter 9 etc etc in other passages as well we 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 see a this typical scene where Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples they were fishermen however and as such they knew that um they could always face some type of trouble out there on the waters the difference i think in this particular passage with those other ones those other experiences that the disciples had with Jesus out on the water. The difference here is that Jesus was not in the boat with them. And there's something peculiar about these moments when we get to this point where somehow, some way, we start believing that Jesus is not in the boat with us. That's a dire circumstance right there because the reality is that Jesus Christ is always with us. Let me ask you this. Was there ever a time when Jesus was not with his disciples? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ was always with them. He was with them, especially during those moments in their lives or in those moments while in ministry when they thought he wasn't with them. 
He was always with them. Because we know that Jesus is omnipotent. He, he, he has all power. He is omniscient. So he sees all. He knows all. And he's omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. He's with you right now in the same way that he is with Tim and I right here in the sanctuary. He is with us. Therefore, the point has to do with eternal perspective. I think it is, it is imperative that we allow the word of God in the circumstance that we find ourselves in to kind of uh, assist in nurturing this eternal perspective in our minds. He's with us. He has never forsaken us. He has never abandoned us. And so it doesn't matter what we're going through right now. We're, we're, he's going to see us to the other side. It's about eternal perspective. We need, we need to know that he will indeed take care of us. Here's a verse for you to make note of. John 16, verse 33. And I quote, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's an amazing assurance. Jesus spoke those words to his disciples a long time ago, but they still speak volumes to me today. I take those words to heart. Amen, somebody. And you want to know something? The vessel that we're in, the vessel that you and I are in, is unsinkable. Perhaps the vessel that the disciples found themselves in, it was a wooden boat, and that vessel was sinkable. And maybe they had some merit to being afraid and to being a little concerned, but not the vessel that you and I are in, not the vessel that you and I, this kingdom of God that we are part of. Listen, this boat is unsinkable, baby, and we're going to make it to the other side. It, it may weeble, wobble, it'll teeter from time to time um, as we navigate through this sea of life, but it will always make note of this. It will always dock safely on the other side. Amen, somebody. Listen, I don't know about you, but this is, this is an encouraging word. I, I, I'm going through some stuff, right? There's some difficulties in my life today. Yes and amen. I got some natural concerns, but I, my faith is not wavering during these difficult times. I, I'm concerned about whether I'm going to be, I'm going to test positive for COVID-19 one day. And so we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're following the guidelines and the instructions of our government, of our mayor here in Norwalk, California, L.A. County. But I know, I know that I know that I know that in my heart, this boat, this vessel that I'm in, this vessel that you and I are in, is going to dock safely on the other side one day. You just got to wait for that. Amen, somebody. Just got to wait for it. It's going to happen. And remember this as you navigate through the waters of life, or rather through the waters, this, these waters of COVID-19. The Lord has an amazing way of taking care of his children. Point number three, you may see ghosts. That's right. That's what the text says, right? You may see ghosts. Now, of course, this is a, a, a play on words, right? I want you to look at verse 26. Matthew 14, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. I want you to think about what they must have been experiencing out there at sea. This was, this was a difficult situation. They were wet, I'm sure, and they were cold, I'm sure. It's three o'clock in the morning. It had to be cold out there. Even if it was the summer season, their, their boat wasn't motorized. So I'm sure they were exhausted paddling. I mean, that Sea of Galilee, aka the Sea of Tiberias, it was only but so wide, and yet they found themselves from early evening to 3 o'clock in the morning navigating out there. And they would never have got to the other side by themselves if it wasn't for Jesus showing up the way that he did. But there was an objective. They were cold and wet. They were exhausted. And then all of a sudden, their worst fears are realized. See, they were fishermen, so you need to know something about Fishermen and these, their superstitions. All of a sudden they see something out on the water and they start crying out for fear. Oh no, it's going to happen. It's a done deal. We're going to die right here, right now. They thought it was a ghost or they thought it was a phantom because that's the Greek word here in the text. An apparition. And they were 
afraid. They became afraid. Now remember, Jesus Christ had just finished performing a major miracle. He just finished feeding thousands of people with, with mere scraps. And yet due to the situation that they found themselves in, they allowed their minds or they allowed their perspectives to deteriorate to the level of superstition. It's incredible. To me, that's incredible. What is it about difficulties and the effect they have on our thought processes? I want you to think about that. And the answer is, at least from God's perspective, is that difficulties are intended to expose weakness in our lives. And when finished, when the process is finished, God's objective is to transform them into strengths. It's the reason why God allows us to go through the things that we go through. It's never a surprise to God. It's not as if he's not no longer behind the wheel navigating us through this journey called life. God is always in charge. God is always in control. And so he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us these assurances in our lives that we're going to make it to the end. But he allows for dire circumstances to enter our life. Why? Because he wants to strengthen us. He wants to make us more like himself. Amen, somebody. So it doesn't matter how strong we are in the faith. God will always allow for certain circumstances to invade our lives because they serve to make us better. They serve to strengthen us. Now, don't, mis- don't, mis- don't misunderstand me here. God never intends to hurt us. He simply wants to make us better. It's called sanctification. He wants to make us more like himself every single day. It's not enough for you and I to read the word of God. It's not enough for you and I to study. It's not even enough to go to seminary and universities and things like that, even if they were Christian. Because information is not enough. He wants to bring about the development in our lives associated with his word. He wants to Make us more like himself. I'm thinking about an illustration in my mind. Uh, I'm sure all of you are acquainted with this. We talk about a goldsmith from time to time. That person that's purifying gold. What's the process like? How do you purify gold? Well, you burn it. You heat it up. You put it through the fire. And there's something, something amazing that happens to gold while it is going through that process in the fire. This dross, D-R-O-S-S, starts to come up to the surface. And the goldsmith removes it. He removes the impurities from the gold. And he doesn't stop the process until he's able to see his image or his reflection on the surface of the mineral, on the surface of gold. And so that's what God puts us through, God's people. He puts us through the same process. He wants to see him in our lives, see himself rather, his reflection in our lives. And until then, he's going to allow us to go through some stuff. So that's what Jesus had in mind when he sent his disciples out onto the boat. They had to be ready. The disciples had a major job ahead of themselves. Their assignment was to preach the good news and to lead thousands to Christ. And it's because of their ministry long ago that you and I are here today listening to the word of God. Amen, somebody. This is the truth. This is the truth. How about you and I? What should be our perspective during this time? What is God allowing with COVID-19? Why is he allowing this to impact us in the way that it has? Now, I want you to make note of this. Don't turn in your Bibles because I want you to listen to me. Make note of this, Romans 10, 14, and 15. Romans 10, 14, and 15. And I quote, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amen. The point is that he is looking to accomplish two things. 
two things in our lives. Number one, through this situation, listen, I know it's difficult, and I don't want to come across as insensitive, so you forgive me if at any point I am a little insensitive because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how difficult it's becoming in your life. But listen, I know for sure that according to the word of God, God is trying to wake up the church. This is number one. He's trying to wake up the church. The church has been asleep for a very long time. And I know some of you are saying amen to this. It's so true. We've been asleep at the wheel. We haven't necessarily been handling our assignment, our responsibilities as children of God. And meanwhile, there's a dying world around us because that's point number two. There's a dying world around us that's crying out in, in, in fear. And God is looking to usher in what may be, what may be the final harvest. Think about the people around us who are currently living with the greatest fear ever in their lives. We may not have the antidote to COVID-19, but we certainly have the antidote to fear. His name is Jesus. Somebody in your own home struggling with fear right now. That person needs Jesus. Your neighbor right next door, you may be able to communicate via your back, your backyard, the wall over your backyard, or the fence, whatever the case might be, or, or the phone, or email, or text, or Facebook. However you and I have to do it. Somebody is struggling. Somebody in this world who doesn't have hope in Jesus, this living hope that you and I live with, and they're wrestling through this thing. This is the best opportunity for you and I to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and to, and to draw in this final harvest. Amen, somebody. This is the truth. It's not easy to uh, appropriate, to take ownership of, but it is the truth. Peter understood this. We often enjoy criticizing him um, for sinking in the water. But what we often forget is that he made the attempt to step up. He actually walked on water quite literally. So Peter understood this, which brings us to my last point, number four, walking on water. Peter understood the magnitude of the moment of the Lord's calling upon his life. Essentially, he did the same thing that Isaiah had done so long ago. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, don't turn it, just listen. Write it down. Isaiah 6, verses 8 and 9. Quote, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. And God said, Go and say to this people. Right there. Go and say to this people. God was asking Isaiah to make a declaration for him. Which is the same thing he did for Peter in Peter's life and the disciples. Which is the same thing that he is asking of us. We're not perfect. Right? Isaiah wasn't perfect and he knew it. He talks about that in that particular chapter. Isaiah chapter 6. Woe is me, woe is me, for I, I am a man of unclean lips and I am undone. Peter understood this. He made so many mistakes. He was rebuked by Jesus Christ on a number of occasions. Uh, but perfection is not required here. Identity is. Consecration, salvation is. It may seem impossible. Here's the challenge. He's asking us to step up. And it may seem impossible, but we can walk on water too. We can walk on water. Maybe not in that literal sense of the word, but we can walk on water. In other words, just because the work is difficult and burdensome, it doesn't mean we cannot get it done. Amen, somebody. You and I, we have an assignment. We can get it done because Jesus is on our side. The last time I checked, we have the Waymaker we have the way maker on our side. Put this verse down. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. With God, all things are possible. So please know that he is with you on the boat. And if you decide to step out onto the water, know that he will be there to sustain your every step. And this is vital because I have to close here. This is a vital point. He's challenging us. We're in this boat, this journey called life. 
It's gotten really difficult, hasn't it? You see, you start seeing things. We start losing perspective. But here it is with passages like this one. Jesus Christ is calling us back to our or his eternal perspective. He's asking us to take heed to what he has to say to you and I during this difficult time. Because he's going, because he wants to help us navigate through it. He wants to lead us to the other side. And we're going to get to the other side. If God be for us, who could be against us? He's going to lead us to the other side. But he's challenging us to step out of the boat onto the water so that we can experience in some sense what Peter experienced 2,000 plus years ago. He wants us to step up. Amen, somebody. And to take heed to the challenge and to know that he will be with us every step of the way. So by way of summary, number one, we're in the boat too. You and I, we're in this boat. It's the kingdom of God. It's salvation. It's a beautiful thing. That's the vessel that we are in. It's, it's about our identity in Jesus Christ. And though we're going through some difficult times, please know. Please know that you, you have this wonderful position in Christ. If you know him, it's called salvation. It's called being justified. So don't, don't waver in that regard. And, and secondly, the Lord, he never promised the trip, the trip over to the other side wasn't going to be rough. Only that it would be certain. He's going to lead us to the other side. He's going to lead us to the other side. So remember these things as you go through your trials and your tribulations. What is it the, um, Jesus said in the final verse of the book of uh, Matthew, the very final verse, he was giving his children the assurance that he was going to be with them even to the end of the age. Number three, we're going to have some difficulties and we may even see ghosts. It's a play on words, right? But don't be alarmed. Jesus has it all under control. Amen, somebody. Jesus has it all under control. They're, they're not ghosts. Don't allow your mind to slip, slip into superstition. Yes, demons are real, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about losing sight of eternal perspective. I'm talking about losing focus. This is not a season for God's children to lose focus. We can't let that happen now. Amen, somebody. We got to stay focused, knowing that Jesus is in the boat with us, and we're going to get to the other side. And lastly... You'll be surprised what God can do through us. You will be surprised what God can, in fact, do through us. Take the leap of faith. You may walk on water after all. Take the leap of faith. Step out the boat. Tim and I are here. We're wrestling through this thing. We didn't even make contact today. And it's just him and I here today. No hugging, no shaking of hands. We're trying to do our due diligence. We want to be careful. But we've gone the extra mile to transmit like this, and this is live. Somehow, some way, we all must do the same thing. Use your texting abilities, your emailing, your Facebook, your Twitter account, whatever they give you, whatever Snapchat, everything else that's out there. Use these things for the cause of Christ. Talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, but first make sure that you are encouraged that Jesus Christ is with you. I want to leave you with two final verses. Uh, write them down. John chapter 11, verse 40. And I quote, Didn't I say unto you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord? This is when Jesus was standing in front of Mary and Martha. Lazarus is already in the tomb. He's dead. And they were afraid. They were alarmed. They were discouraged. Jesus, why'd you take so long? And Jesus declared, for, declared to them, Didn't I say to you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of the Lord. So I think it's fitting, because God is saying the same thing to you and I, right here and right now. And secondly, last verse, Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Look for the silver lining in your situation. Look for an opportunity to reflect Jesus onto your own life 
and those around you, especially those under the roof in which you find yourself. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time in your presence. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you for encouraging our hearts here today, Lord God. Help us to be responsible, Lord. Help us not to allow ourselves to lose sight or to lose focus on your eternal perspective for our lives. Thank you so much that we are children of God, children of the Most High. There is no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We are children of God. And Father, we thank you so much for that. Thank you for the encouragement today that as you instructed the disciples long ago regarding the need to go over to the other side, you've done the same thing to us. You bid us, you ask us, you compel us to go to the other side, knowing that we will dock safely on the other side. Help us, Lord God, as we navigate through the sea of life. Help us to be encouraged that you will never leave us and that you will never forsake us. To those, Lord God, who are struggling, perhaps beyond measure right now, may you provide. Father, may you open the windows of, windows of heaven and please provide to those in need. We bless you and we thank you in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Listen, please, if you want to subscribe, just subscribe. If you want to give us your comments, give us your comments. I believe there's a bell there somewhere that you can click on. That way you automatically get notifications from us in the future. We don't know how long we're going to be here doing this. It may be another two, three, four weeks. We, we don't know. We're going to be faithful with this. Uh, stay connected with us. Amen. Uh, I believe we have provided those of you who are part of this fellowship. Uh, I believe there's a way for you to send in your tithe and your offerings. Uh, I'm not going to take up uh, too much time here. Uh, it's not for that right now. Uh, but please know that we need your support during this time. Um, we got to pay some bills if, if you can. If you can. Amen. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.